0: Uh, we're going to uh, do some, we won't be in any specific one passage tonight, uh, but we are going to do some thoughts or meditations on Thanksgiving, since that is coming up uh, Thursday. And giving thanks is an integral part or trait of the Christian life. Uh, to be a Christian is to be thankful and to be grateful to God for all that He's done, all that He's done for us. And so uh, as we approach this uh, holiday, I thought it would be good for us since we just finished uh, Micah to take a week and uh, have some reflections on this topic uh, so that we are more equipped uh, to approach it and to do so in a way that is honoring to the Lord. So let's read uh, Psalm 33, verse 1. Psalm 33, verse 1 says, Sing praise for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise is becoming of the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Sing praises to Him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all of His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You tonight, Lord, uh, grateful for all of the blessings that You have given to us. Lord, knowing that... Lord, our very life has come from You. Lord, all of the blessings that we experience, the mercies, the kindnesses associated with our our current life, Lord, every good thing has come down from You. Uh, Every breath that we breathe, every uh, meal that we have, the homes that we sleep in, Lord, our beds, our family, Lord, the jobs that we have, Lord, how You provide so graciously uh, for us. So, Lord, we are grateful for these things. But, Lord, as well, we know as Christians, uh, that primarily your benefits are seen to us in the spiritual, Lord, in the forgiveness of sins, uh, in our justification, in the adoption into your family, uh, be reconciled to you. And Lord, those uh, future glories that await us, eternal life with you in the new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, the glorification of our body. Lord, all these uh, blessings you have bestowed upon your people Lord, freely from your own sovereign will and your own pleasure. And so, Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. And yet, so often we find uh, that our gratitude is lacking, uh, that we can be quick to grumble, quick to complain, uh, to bemoan our existence and all the things that we are uh, lacking in our own mind. And so, Lord, we pray that you might uh, teach us a better way and that, Lord, you might cause our hearts to... Lord, well up and to overflow in praise and thanksgiving to you because of everything that you have done for us. So, Lord, bring to our mind uh, your blessings, Lord, all the benefits that you've given, and we pray that it would stir within us, Lord, a great love for you and that our lips would break forth into songs of praise and thanksgiving to our great God and to our great benefactor. So, Lord, teach us tonight, Lord, as we study your word, and it is in Christ's name that we pray, Amen. All right, so as I mentioned, we are going to look at this issue of giving thanks to God or thanksgiving, right? The giving of thanks to the Lord. And ultimately, as Christians, our ultimate uh, giving of thanks must be to God, right? It must be to God. Though there is a proper place for us to be grateful and to be thankful when someone does an act of kindness to us or gives us some benefit, some uh, act of goodness toward us, then it is right and proper for us to be grateful and to say thank you to them for that. But ultimately, we must recognize and see that every good gift originates with God. So the ultimate object of our praise and of our thanks must be the Lord. And if this is not an integral part of our Christian life, then something is lacking, right? Something is lacking in us because uh, of all people in the world, we, more than anyone else, should have an understanding of the kindness and goodness of God. The unbelievers don't understand these things. Right, But we do, because we understand our own sin. We understand how vile we are before God, which magnifies then His goodness toward us, that God would do anything for those who are His enemies, and yet this is what God has done for us. So Thanksgiving should be a very uh, important part of our worship, of our devotion to God, uh, of our Christian life, a trait of the Christian life. So first and foremost, number one, Thanksgiving. Is a Christian work. It is the work of the saints. This is as we read in Psalm 33 verse 1. Praise is becoming of the upright. This is becoming. It is right. It is good. This is what should be true of those who are upright in heart. Is that they should praise God. They should give thanks to God because of all the things that He has done for them. Psalm 135 verses 19 and 21. 135 verses 19 to 21 says, O house of Israel, bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi, bless the Lord. You who revere the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. There the Psalmist is calling us to bless the Lord. Right? Not that we are conferring a goodness upon God, but when we bless the Lord, we are simply Telling his praise, telling his glory, telling all of the things that we are grateful to because of God, all the things that he has done for us. And this is what we are called to do. If we revere the Lord, if we fear God, then we should bless him by praising him, by thanking him for all of his kindness to us. Only those who are upright in heart can properly and truly thank God. Not all men are able to play instruments. Right, We all recognize this. Some people have that ability, other people do not. Well, as it is with the instrument, so it is with thanksgiving and praise to God. Not all men have the ability to do so. Though all men have the instruments to do so, they have a mind, they have a tongue, they have language, they know how to express themselves. They're all able to do that. Yet, what is lacking in most men, the unbeliever, is the heart. They do not have the heart to give thanks and to give praise to God. But who does have the heart to do so? The believers, right? The righteous, those who are upright in heart. They are the ones who should give praise to God. In Isaiah chapter 38, in verse 18, there it says that Sheol does not praise you. That the dead or those who go down to the dead, that they do not give praise to God. Psalm or Isaiah 38, 18 says, for Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. Those who are in the pit, they cannot thank God. They cannot praise God. They cannot hope in God's faithfulness. And this is true of them certainly in the life to come. The unbelievers, the wicked who are being tormented in the lake of fire, they will not praise God. They have no hope for His thankfulness. They will not praise Him and thank Him for all of His kindness. But that's also true of them in this life. Because in this life, though their uh, dwelling is not there in the place of the dead yet, their heart is already there. Because their hearts are dead in their trespasses and sins, they do not properly thank and praise God. Though they may utter such things with their lips from time to time. They may in a pretentious way, a superficial way, give thanks to God and talk about how grateful they are. But if their life is not ordered by the Word of God, right? If their life is not a life of faith in the Lord, then they cannot give true and proper thanks to God. So we should do this, right? How can a man whose whole life is living against God give thanks to the Lord? but our lives are to be ordered by the Lord, right? We are to be in tune with the Lord. So we are the ones who ought to give thanks. This is a work that is unique to the believer or to the Christian. Number two, thanksgiving is also a very noble part of our worship. It is a noble part of our worship because it is driven by our love and our appreciation and recognition of God's goodness and kindness to us, right? Meditating upon His works, upon what the Lord has done for us, right? When people have necessities, right? When there is some crisis that they face, then they cry out to God, right? Their necess- the, the crisis, whatever dilemma they're facing, it forces them to cry out to God, right? And this is part of the good that comes in our afflictions and our trials, right? Had we not been afflicted, then we would not have cried out to the Lord. So it's good for God to do that to us. Our needs drive us to our knees in prayer to God. But those who have a true and an honest heart, who truly love the Lord, then they're going to give thanks to God. And it's not arising out of some need that they need for God. It's not because there's something that they're lacking and they're going to God so that God can provide those needs for them. Though, again, that, there is a place for that. And that should be a part of our faith and our dependence on the Lord. Yet when we are giving thanks to God, it is arising in us out of a love for God, an appreciation for all that God has done for us. We should meditate upon the benefits of God. How many ways God has blessed us, right? This, we used to sing the song in church, count your blessings, right? Name them one by one, count your many blessings and see what God has done. It's a very simple song, a very simple tune, yet the truth of it is very profound, And it is a good habit for us to form, to count our blessings. Again, as we mentioned earlier, many times we are much more prone, much more adept at counting all of our lacks, all the things that we think that we don't have, all of the ways that our life is miserable and it hasn't met up to our expectations or what we thought and what we hoped and dreamed for. But how often are we thinking about and meditating on everything that God has done for us? How many blessings that we have experienced that many other people have never experienced, right? There are uh, manifold blessings of God that we have received. And we should meditate upon these things. We should think about them. And then we should thank God for all of these blessings. Do we not teach our children to do that at a very young age? One of the first things we teach little ones to do is to say, thank you, please and thank you. To people, right? To adults, when someone does something for them, to be grateful and to be thankful. Well, if children can learn to do that at a very young age, then shouldn't we Christians know to do this to God as well? To daily give thanks to God, to before every meal, to stop and thank God, right? And we should do that not merely as a routine, but truly, sincerely, right? that we are recognizing God that you have given this to me, right? You have given this meal to me and I am grateful for this, right? I am grateful even if it's chicken legs and thighs, right? Or or whatever it is, right? Even if it's something we don't necessarily like, it's still, we are very grateful for God's many blessings to us, especially if it's white meat though, right? Number three, Thanksgiving is a God-exalting work. It exalts God as the great benefactor of mankind that God is the ultimate benefactor, the one who graciously pours out His mercies upon men. Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Psalm 50 verse 23. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. The one who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors God. He brings glory and honor to God. When we thank God, and this thanks should be in our own hearts and our own minds, but it should also be among other people as well. We should tell of others to others of the goodness of God, of all the things that God has done for us. This should be a part of our life as well. And when we do that, we are honoring God. We are exalting God in the eyes of other men. We are bringing glory to the Lord, right? When we do that, we're not adding to God's glory, right? God's glory is perfect. It is complete. We cannot add one drop to the essential glory of God. However, We can make that glory known to other people so that what is true of God uh, by His character and nature is known among men, amongst the children of men, so that other people see God the way that He truly is. And when we tell to them of the goodness of God, right, of His kindness toward us, of what God has done for me, then we are extolling His greatness. We are showing His honor and exalting Him there amongst other men. And that should be a practice of ours in our home, with our wife, with our children, right? In the church, amongst the saints, and then even out in the world, right? When we're with unbelievers and with whomever else that we find ourselves with, that we ought to be telling them of all the great deeds of the Lord. Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 39. Actually, let's read 38 and 39. Luke eight thirty-eight. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Here, when this demoniac man, who was healed by Christ, desired to go with Jesus to accompany him, Jesus forbid him from doing so. But he did tell him to go back to his home, go back to his city, go to his family, and there proclaim to those people everything that God has done for you. Right? Because what God did for him was an undeserved act of mercy. He didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve this act of kindness, but it was a great display of God's glory and of God's mercy toward him. Before, he was living uh, in the tombs. He was running around naked. He was cutting himself with rocks. He was screaming. He was out of his mind. He was a lunatic. Now, he is a man in his right mind, and most importantly, before, he was dead in his trespasses and sins and under the wrath of God, and now... He has been reconciled to God through the death of His Son, and He has the forgiveness of sins. And so go and tell everyone everything that God has done for you. Now, in our situation, we may not be in the outward condition of this demoniac. We may not have lived in tombs or ran around naked or cut ourselves with rocks or cried out like a a, a crazy man, though some of you, it may have been true of you. I don't know. However, with all of us, The spiritual condition of this man and our spiritual condition are one and the same by nature. And the greater part of the miracle that Christ did for this man wasn't the outward condition, but it was the inward. It was the spiritual component, the spiritual reality. The great thing that God had done for him was redeeming him, giving him the forgiveness of sins. And just as he went home and proclaimed to everyone, what Christ had done for him, so we ought to go to our homes and proclaim what Christ has done for us. Point number four. Thanksgiving distinguishes a man from the devil and his demons. Right? We understand that man originally was created in the image of God, <clears throat> yet through sin, that image that is of God that is in man has been marred, it has been stained, it has been corrupted. And though all men, even wicked men, still bear some resemblance of the image of God, they also bear the marks in the image of the devil, right? In that they follow Him, they live like Him, right? Their behavior, their ethics, their thoughts, the way that they live is not in line with the righteousness of God, but rather they're living like the devil, right? This is how people live and behave on a day in and day out basis. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that men are following the Prince of the power of the air, the Spirit, at work in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 1-2 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the Prince of the power of the air, of the Spirit, that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." There, walking according to the course of the world is the same as walking according to the prince of the power of the air, who is the devil. He is the spirit that is working now amongst the sons of disobedience. And just as the devil is destined for wrath, he is a child of wrath, so also those who bear his image, his children, right? The children of the devil are also uh, destined for wrath as well. This is what is true of the devil, and this is what is true of the wicked. Well, what are those things that distinguish the righteous from the wicked? That distinguish a saint from the devil and from his demons? And one of those things is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Quoting Scripture. Does quoting Scripture necessarily distinguish a man from the devil? Well, did the devil not quote scripture to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4? Now, I'm not saying it's bad to quote scripture, (laughs) so we ought to quote scripture. However, that in and of itself does not distinguish a man from a false teacher who will also quote scripture and from the devil who quotes scripture as well. What about the appearance of religion? Doesn't it say that the devil masquerades as an angel of light? that he has the appearance of an angel of light, though it is a masquerade. And so this could also be true of a man as well. What about fasting? Well, the devil never eats, right? He doesn't have to eat because he's a spirit. So a man may fast for three days, but so does the devil as well. What about some assent to the truth? Well, doesn't James say that the devils, the demons, believe that God is one? If you believe that God is one, he says you do well. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder at those things. But what is one work that the devils will never do? They never give thanks to God. They blaspheme God. They rail against God. They are enemies of God. But do they ever give thanks to God? Are they ever grateful for their existence that God has given to them? This is something that they cannot and they will not ever do. But who can give thanks to God? We can Right, and we should, and in this way, it is distinguishing us from the unbelievers and from those who follow after the, unbelie- the after the devil as well. Number five, thanksgiving is a lifelong, constant trait in the go- in the godly. It is to be a lifelong pursuit. It is to be a constant part of our Christian life, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our situation. Whether it is poverty or riches, whether it is sickness or in good health, right? Whether we are in comfort or whether we are in prison, at all times and in all things, we are to give thanks to God. We are to thank God because no matter what our situation is, as long as we have life and we're not in hell, it's better than we deserve, right? We still have a blessing from God because God gives to all mankind life breath, and all things. Well, even if all things are taken away from us, we still have life and we still have breath. And even if a Christian is thrown in prison and he's given meager rations, those meager rations still come from who? They still come from God. And there's still more than he deserves, more than any of us deserve. So as long as we have our life, as long as we have our breath, as long as we have the necessities of life, then we have plenty of reason to be thankful for. And even if those things are taken away from us, and we have salvation, we have the spiritual blessings, then we have much to be grateful and much to be thankful for. Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 146, 1 to 2 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Here, as long as he lives, as long as he has his being here on this earth, what is he going to do? What is his life constantly going to be devoted to? Praising God, thanking God for everything that he's done, whether that be in seasons of prosperity or whether that be in times of adversity, in everything we are to give thanks. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, And wasn't this the case with the prophet Job, with righteous Job? The Lord gave, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He understood that God can give to him, and if God gives to him, acts uh, or shows him kindness, goodness, gives him many displays and blessings to him, and God had blessed him in many great ways. All that he had were blessings that came from God. And when God gave those things to him, and when he was in the enjoyment of those blessings, what was his practice? Blessed be the name of the Lord. But then when God took all of those things away from him, his wealth, his estate, his land, his children, his property, all of that, even his health was deprived of him, everything taken away from him, and then what did he do? He still blessed the Lord. He praised God. He thanked God regardless of whatever situation he found himself in. And this is the way that it ought to be. This is how we should be offering our lives continually in praise and thanksgiving to God. Now, if thanksgiving is a mark of a godly man, then how few are the godly in this present world? How rare is it indeed to find one who is truly in tune with the Lord, whose heart is rightly attuned to God, because there are very few, it appears to be very small, of those who are giving thanks and praising God because of what He has done. So few have gratitude for the blessings of God. And so quickly, men will forget the kindness of God given to them. Even when those kindnesses are great acts of mercy, great acts of kindness, men will quickly forget and will go on about their life. An example of this, two examples, Luke 17. Luke 17, 11 to 19. Luke 17, verse 11 says, While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance, met Him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When He saw them, He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, "Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well." There, the ten are cleansed, and Jesus is astonished that only one returns to give glory and to give thanks to God for what God has done. These are men who were suffering a under a very miserable condition, right? A very uh, terminal, uh, horrible disease that had many ramifications in their daily life. And now they have been healed by the miracle of God, by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet only one sought him out to give thanks and praise to God. And he says, where are the other nine? Where, Where are they? Was there no one, only this foreigner, who came and gave thanks to God? This shouldn't be the case with us. We ought to return to the Lord We ought to come to Christ and give thanks to Him continually for the many blessings that He's shown to us. Another example, 2 Chronicles 32. This one is sad indeed because this is a righteous man who we know was a good and a righteous king, Hezekiah. Yet when Hezekiah cried out to the Lord and when God answered him and gave him a benefit... Hezekiah did not show proper gratitude. He didn't go and thank the Lord for what he had done. Second Chronicles 32 verse 24 says, In those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received, because his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem." Here, he is mortally ill, mortally ill, and he prays to God, and God delivers him from this illness. But then, after God delivers him, he did not return to the Lord from the benefit that he received. He gave no praise and thanks to God, as was fitting to the measure of grace and blessing that he had received from the Lord. And the result was that God's wrath was turned against him, that God punished him for such things. So, we should not be like this, right? We ought to be continually praising and thanking God. And again, as we mentioned earlier, often we are much quicker to complain. We are much quicker to grumble. We are much often more like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Whenever there's some need or lack, they're always complaining and griping against the Lord, bemoaning our existence. Then we are to thank God. And when this is the case, it's unbecoming of a Christian, right it is unbecoming of us to be constantly complaining and not thanking god and praising god for what he has done point number 6 thanksgiving is proof of true faith and godliness faith without works is dead right a faith that does not have good works is a dead faith well one of those good fruits that is the result of true faith will be the fruit of thanksgiving the fruit of praise to God, right? It is a good and proper thing for us to be thankful, right? Our instruments, the instruments of our body are to be used to the glory of God. This is a part of our redemption. The instruments in our natural state were used to commit sins against God. The chief instrument that magnifies our wickedness and our depravity, our sin against God is the tongue, right? The tongue, the mouth, the words, the words more than anything else That small instrument, more than any other one, proves what the heart of the man is like. And when our heart was dead in trespasses and sins, our tongue was a cesspool of evil, a den of iniquity and wickedness. And one of the things our tongues did not do was praise God and thank God from an upright heart. Well, in Romans chapter 6, it tells us there that we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies any longer and that we're not to use our, our instruments for unrighteousness, but rather we are to use them as instruments of righteousness. Romans six twelve to 14 Romans 6, verse 12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so as to obey its lust. And do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Don't, he says, present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but instead present your members to God as members that have been brought from death to life and present them to God as instruments of righteousness. How do we present our tongue, this member of the body, as an instrument of righteousness to God. Well, there are various ways that we can do that, but one of the chief ways that we show our love for God with our tongue is by giving thanks to Him, by praising Him for all that He has done for us. This is what we ought to be doing. Thanksgiving is the rent that we owe to God because of the blessings that He has given to us. We return a blessing to the Lord as a result of the blessing that He has given To us. And we have many reasons why we should be thankful to God. Right? The mercies of God, the kindness of God given to us, these are the reasons why we should be thankful to Him. Psalm 40 and verse 5. Psalm 40, verse 5 says many o lord my god are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us there is none to compare with them if i would declare and speak of them they would be too numerous to count many he says are the wonders which you have done many are your thoughts toward us so numerous are these things he says that i can't even count them even if i tried to number them i cannot count all of the things that you have done for us Innumerable blessings that we have received from God. Now, these blessings are both temporal and spiritual. There are temporal blessings associated with this present life that we receive from God. Acts 17, life, breath, all things. He gives to all mankind life, breath, and all things. Every single second of every day, our life is sustained by who? God. By God. Every breath we breathe is given to us by whom? By God. Every meal that we eat, every drink of water that we have, and in our case, we're drinking water that's not even, well, it's less than filthy, right? It's not filthy, right? It's not going to make us sick. We're not going to die from drinking this water or get some uh, disease that's going to cause our bowels to want to bust out, right? We can go turn on our sinks at any time and get water right out of our tap in the comfort of our own home. We don't have to go out to a well and put a bucket down in there and bring it in and boil it and do those things to purify it to make sure it's clean. We can do it right there. We just get it out. And if it's lukewarm and we want it to be cool, well, we just go to the the freezer and push a little button, and ice pops right out into our cup, and it's so nice and refreshing and wonderful. And then if we need hot water, we don't have to go start a fire. Just go turn the stove on. It pops right on. And it's boiling in just a matter of minutes. It's, it's, it's so great. These are conveniences that we have that no one else has ever had, right, in the history of the world. Not that they didn't have hot water. Not that they didn't have cold water. But they don't have it at the accessibility that we have, at the ease that we have, at the comforts that we experience, right? All of these things are so nice that God has given to us. The way that we are able to travel to and fro, right, in these cars that can go so fast, And they're climate-controlled so that in the middle of the summer, I can turn my air conditioner on, and I'm very comfortable. And in the winter, when it's so cold outside, I have my heater on, even my seat heater, and it warms my back up, and it feels great. It's so wonderful and lovely. right? We have all these things right, given to us. Also, communication. I can call my mom three times today, four times, and tell her, oh, yeah, I need uh, this. Uh, Could you pick it up for me at Walmart? Because I'm (laughs) I'm smoking a turkey for her, right? (laughs) I need these things. But I can do it in a just... Boom, right there. And if I want to, I can see her picture and she can see mine because we can FaceTime each other. She has an iPhone now. All those things, right, that we have right there at our fingertips every second of every day. Where do all those come from? Who gives these blessings to us? They all come from the Lord, right? Your family, right? If you had good parents, well, that came from the Lord because not everyone has good parents. Some people have deadbeat parents. And then if you have children... And your children are normal and uh, well-behaved and they uh, are a good fun to be around and a blessing. That's a blessing from God. Even if they're not, they're still a blessing from the Lord. All of this comes from God. We could go on for hours listing all of the blessings associated with this life that God has given to us. So there's never a lack of blessing out there. We don't have to rack our brains and think, okay, what can I be thankful to God for today? That should never be the issue. The, the problem is I don't have enough time in a day to even begin to recount to God all the things that He has done for me. And that's just in relation to the temporal world. Then you bring into that the spiritual, all the spiritual blessings that God has given to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sins, justification, adoption into His family, that we are children of God, Right, All of these things belong to us. There is an inheritance waiting for us in heaven, kept by God there. The glorification of our body, a new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells, that we will be with God in His presence for all eternity. Right? All of these spiritual blessings God has bestowed upon us. And did we deserve any of those? Did we deserve any of the temporal blessings? Did we do something that caused God to give us life and bring us into existence? No, we did nothing. God just did it of His own free will. And did we do anything to deserve all these spiritual blessings? No, nothing. God did it all of His own free will. And all we are is the recipients of all of the mercy and kindness and goodness of God. So if anyone should be grateful in this world, who should it be? It should be the believer, the Christian, right? We ought to be grateful, above grateful for all that God has done. And this brings us to our last point. Ingratitude is a horrid evil. It makes men into monsters for them to be ungrateful. It is contrary to nature and to everything that is good and right. When a person receives something from another, it is natural, right? Natural law teaches them. Even Muslims and Hindus know that if you do something for them, that they ought to say thank you to that. And yet, Men do not thank God, the chief benefactor of the entire universe, the Lord, and yet they do not thank Him and they do not praise Him for all that He has done. It is a complete contradiction to Christianity for there to be an ungrateful Christian. There's nothing more contrary in the world than an ungrateful Christian, and it should not be true of us. Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, we remember there in this catalog. Of the sinfulness of man in Romans 1, starting in 18 to 23, one of the things that proves the sinfulness of men is their lack of gratitude. They do not give thanks to God. Romans 1, 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for images in the form of man and birds and animals and creeping things. There it says, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. They don't give thanks to God for everything that He's done. He gave them life, breath, and all things. And instead of thanking God, they thank the sun. They thank the moon. They thank the stars. They thank a block of wood. They thank a piece of gold or silver, right? A rock. They give thanks to these images that they have created instead of giving honor and thanks to the only true God who gave to them life, breath, and all things. This is what is true of the wicked, but it should not be true of us. It should not be true of the righteous, of the saints. We ought to give thanks to God and proper honor and glory to the Lord. Then one last passage, Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 7. Jeremiah 5, 7. Says, Why should I pardon you? Your sons have forsaken me, and sworn by those who are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, they committed adultery and trooped to the harlot's house. There, the Lord says, I fed them to the full. I gave them all their food, everything that they needed, I gave to them. And then how did they repay God? By committing adultery. By giving His praise, the thanks that was due to God, giving it to a foreign God, to a false God that is no God at all. Actually, it is a demon that they give their thanks to. But this is the unbeliever. This is not the way that we've learned Christ, if we have learned of Him. The way that we learn Christ is to give thanks to God. And this should be the first impulse of the heart that has been changed. The heart that has been redeemed is to give praise and thanks to God for the great salvation, right? And for us to improve in that, we need to come to a greater degree of understanding of our own vileness, of our own sinfulness before God. Because the more sinful we see ourselves, Right? And we can never see ourselves as too sinful. Right? We'll never even begin to understand the depth of our own depravity in our natural state, in our sinful state. How great our sin is against God. But the greater we have, the greater we see our own sin, then it naturally will increase our gratitude to God for all that He has done for us. When we see the debt of sin that we owed to Him and how great that debt was that was forgiven by the Lord, it should lead us to be more and more grateful to God because of all that He has done. And then for us to count our blessings, right? Think about it, write them down, right? Whatever you need to do, tell them to your family. Just last night at our home, we went around and everyone had to say something they're grateful about. And it was great, you know, and everyone came up with something that was really good. Well, those kinds of practices are good for us to do in the home, right? And and with our family, to tell each other of what God has done for us. And then to tell it amongst one another in the church as well. We ought to be doing those things.